Hey, good morning, Community Church, and happy 4th of July. I don't know if you can tell, I'm wearing my summer shirt. I got my summer haircut. This is actually the result of, uh, I was giving myself a quarantine haircut, and I was like a little bit shorter around the ears, and there was this moment where I, my wife was with me, and I was like, Meh. and she made this face, and I was like, uh-ohs. Uh, and I tried to save it. She told me I look like Zangief, a little Street Fighter reference for you. Uh, and so here we are, but I'm feeling good. I'm excited to be here. Uh, and so welcome to church. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've kind of been walking through this series, looking at uh, the way of the fool and the way of the wise. And in this series, Walk This Way, we've kind of been comparing and contrasting what those different paths look, look like in our lives. Uh, and so I hope that over the last few weeks, you've had the opportunity to kind of evaluate where you are and ask yourself the question, am I moving through life foolishly or am I seeking after wisdom? And so this week, we're going to take a look uh, at these two terms, being slothful and having understanding. And if I'm going to be really honest with you, uh, this is the one week that, that when we initially started talking about this series, I didn't want. And here's why. Uh, I'm 35 years old at this point, and as I look back at my life, I see inside of me the proclivity for laziness. Right? I see inside of me these periods of time in my life where I was unmotivated, I was unwilling to put work in, um, and, and honestly, as I've been preparing for this message, God has kind of been pushing on me and challenging me and speaking into my own heart about the way that I live my life. Now, I should also note, because I know that Alan and Wally are going to hear this, that was in the past. I am a diligent and hard worker, uh, and so there it is. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't really want this one. We have this thing that we do in my family where when we're sitting together uh, and watching a movie or a TV show or something like that, nobody in my family wants to get their own drinks. Like, if you're in my living room and all of us are sitting together, you can assume that every single person in my family, myself, my wife, and both of my children are thirsty, but are just waiting for one person to get up to do something, to ask them to get you a drink. And so that is my point of reference coming into this sermon. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, the first term that I want to look at is on the path of the fool, and it's this idea of being slothful. And if you remember, uh, way back in week one, Alan kind of talked about this, and he described it just as pure laziness. Right, but it's not, I, I want to take a moment and just have you understand that what we're talking about here isn't rest, because rest is actually important. God built you to rest. He built you to rest, to recuperate, so that you can move forward and do the work that he's called you for. When we're talking about slothfulness and we're talking about laziness, what we're actually talking about is this inability, this desire to do nothing. You know, this is the lifestyle equivalent of kicking the ice cube under the fridge. We've all been there. You're getting ice for your drink. You drop one on the floor. You look around to make sure that your wife isn't there, and you kick it under the fridge. And you do it knowing full well it would be so simple to bend down, pick up the ice cube, throw it in the sink, throw it in the trash. But you nudge it under the fridge where you know it's going to get wet, it's going to get gross, there might be a smell later. This is the lifestyle equivalent of the ice cube under the fridge. In Proverbs chapter 15, 19, 
It says, the way of the slothful is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Today I want to give you three truths about slothfulness. And the first one we can pull directly from this verse is that slothfulness, laziness, leads nowhere. You're sitting there in the same spot, whether you have aspirations or not, you're not moving forward. In fact, you're so focused on yourself that even the process of moving forward is just, you're blocked, you're not going anywhere, and it's painful. And it hurts. In fact, a lifestyle of slothfulness, a lifestyle of laziness, brings you to this point where you can look back at your life and see that you have nothing to your name for the way that you've lived. You can look back over the course of time that you've lived and you can see that you haven't moved forward. Slothfulness leads nowhere. The second truth that I want to bring to you today about slothfulness is found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, where it says, The slothful does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. Can you imagine being in this place in your life where you know that in order to have the things that you need to move forward, in order to secure food for your family, you need to go and do this work. And not only do you not do it, but when the time comes for you to, to, to harvest, for you to bring in the fruits of that labor, you actually go out and look for it. You know, before I came on staff at the church, I worked retail, and I worked retail for a really long time. And actually, just a side note, I think that everyone probably should work retail at some point in your life, because it will make you realize all the craziness that is really out there, and make you thankful for the things that you have. Um, but anyway, I worked, and I can remember there's this guy who I worked with, who anytime you saw him on the schedule, you knew there was a 50-50 shot that he was going to show up. There's a 50-50 chance that this guy was going to show up to his job to do the work that he was assigned, uh, and more likely than not, you were going to have to cover for him. At the same time, though, I remember having conversation after conversation after conversation with this guy where he'd be like, oh, man, my paycheck is so small this week. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Like, why is this happening to me? And myself and like every, everyone else I, I worked with was like, dude, you're never here. You're always calling in. You're trading away your shifts. He's like, yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe they just schedule me more. I'm like, you're not doing the things that would make them want to give you more hours. Slothfulness produces nothing. Nothing. The last truth I want to convey to you about this idea of slothfulness, we can also see in this coworker of mine, and it's this idea that eventually slothfulness leads to you blaming others. Right? You begin to make excuses, you begin to shirk your duties, and suddenly it's not your fault, but it's everyone else's fault around you. Right? And I remember the conversations that I had with this guy changed from, I don't know why my paycheck's so small, to, man, the management is out to get me. They're not scheduling me enough. When they do schedule me, it's in a place that I want. Like, they know I don't like working here. They know that I can't do this. Why are they doing this to me? Why don't you feel bad for me? Why, why is the world out to get me? When at the end of the day, he was not putting in the work. He wasn't putting in the effort. 
I'm sure some of you know people like this in your life who jump job to job to job and they seem like they're stuck in the same place. And it's always somebody else's fault. You see, at its core, the idea of slothfulness is tied into this idea of instant gratification. It's tied into this idea that we want what we want, and we want it now, and we're not willing to think about how it's going to affect the future. Right? I think culturally, we live in this place right now where everything's on demand, it's instant access. Like, my family has Amazon Prime, uh, and we get delivery for, in, for most of our stuff in two days. And a while ago, they kind of they quietly were like, oh, and a few things will be one-day shipping. And like, personally, I was very excited about this because it means that I, I got the junk that I ordered faster for my wife to be disappointed in. But there came this point where I would look and I'd be like, oh man, two-day shipping? This one doesn't have one day? Like how quickly I desired my thing to come right away to the point that I remember a few times I found some that were one-day shipping and I was like, do I spend the extra money to have this thing one day earlier? Thank God my wife was there and she was like, no, you do not. In fact, you spend no money, we're not getting this. But, you know, how fast we want everything, right? Like my kids, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and when they want something, they don't want to wait. They want it now. In fact, uh, we, we tried this thing with them where they'd be like, hey, can I, we'd be in the store. And my daughter would be like, hey, can I have this, this $5 toy? And I'd be like, well, listen, sweetie, you know, daddy could buy you this $5 toy right now. Or you could wait a few weeks and I'll buy you this $20 toy that you wanted. Right? I'll buy you this bigger thing that you're going to enjoy more. It's going to last longer. Uh, I'm not going to step on it and break it and throw it away in a week. But she was unable in the moment to think about the way that her future self would want to have this. She was unable to exercise patience. And so I think that we have this mindset Right, of instant gratification, which ties into slothfulness. And we can see it, I think, in, in certain aspects of our lives. Right? This is overwhelming credit card debt. Right? This is ruined relationships because we're not willing in the moment to invest the time because we want what we want for ourselves. Right? For the guy I worked with, it, it was a lost job. And so slothfulness, this idea of, of, of what I want, of self-focus, stops you from being able to understand how the things that you did in the past affect you now and how the things that you do now will affect you in the future. And as I'm thinking about it, I don't know that there is a bigger way to be a fool than to not understand what you did brought you to where you are, what you do now brings you to where you will be. You know, on the other side of that, we have this word understanding. And as we talk about wisdom, as we move through these steps, I firmly believe that understanding is the beginning of truly wise living. Right? We've talked in the past about knowledge, this idea that you know something. Right? And then we talked about this idea of wisdom, and wisdom is the act of taking what you know and beginning to apply it to your life. 
is understanding these truths and beginning to figure out how they impact you now. To be a person of understanding, you find yourself in this place where you have accrued knowledge, you have translated that knowledge into wisdom, and you are at a place where you are beginning to apply it enough that you can look back and see how wisdom has affected you in the past. And you can begin to make choices, wise choices, that will impact your future. In Proverbs 2, chapter 11, it says that discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. This idea of being guarded, I think, works in a number of ways. One, when you can look back and see mistakes that you've made, hopefully, with wisdom, with processing, you can avoid making those mistakes. Your past will guard you from future and present mistakes. In the same way, this, this understanding, this understanding of how what you do now impacts what you do in the future will guard you from future hurt. We have this thing that we say in my house, um, and it's just this, natural consequences. And what it amounts to, uh, we do this in youth ministry too, is when you're watching your child or your student and they're going to do a thing, you're like, that's probably going to end up poorly for you. They're like, no, it's going to be great. At some point, you throw your hands up and you're like, natural consequences, this is how you learn. And I've had a number of those moments with my kids. I've had a number of those moments with my students. Uh, And to be honest, I've had a number of those moments in my own life. Understanding is the knowledge and the wisdom to begin to apply what you've experienced to your life now to affect what you will go through in the future. In Proverbs 14, chapter 33, it says, Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding. This is important because this man of understanding has wisdom resting in his heart. When something rests in your heart, ideally it's so ingrained in you that it begins to become second nature. See, whereas before you were really having to tackle knowledge to translate it into wisdom, as you begin to become a person of understanding, that wisdom becomes more and more ingrained in you. It becomes more and more natural for you to apply that wisdom to your life. One final truth I want to leave you with about this idea of understanding is that understanding is not always an easy process. Understanding requires introspection. It requires humility, and it requires the willingness to listen and to learn. I think for a lot of us, those are hard things sometimes. Um, I think about my own life and the, the cautions that I've been given, the advice that I've been given, and I wish I could say that I was wise enough to have taken those and run with them, but more often than not, I don't. And when I think about why, it always comes back to this idea that I was either too prideful or I was too lazy. I was too slothful to think about how what was being given to me was beneficial and could impact my life moving forward. I know that there's a lot to unpack here, but I hope that that these two terms are becoming a little bit more clear for you as we're moving forward, because now I want to take the turn and I want to move into this idea of as as we begin to understand slothfulness and understanding, this idea of what, so what, right? Like, what does this mean for us right now. 
the first thing I want you to understand is, it says in John chapter 10 that Jesus came that we would have life and have it to the fullest. Something that I have learned, something that I feel God has spoken to me as I've been working on this, as I've been reading, as I've been praying, is the idea that there is no room for laziness in the life lived to the fullest. There is no room for slothfulness in the life that God is calling you to. Right, because you were created for work. You were created for great things. God has called you to create, to love, to hope, to build the kingdom of God in the present. And laziness, slothfulness, will stop you in your tracks. It will stop you before you get started. The great things that God has called you to, you will never ever see or begin to experience if you're living a life of foolishness and laziness. The second thing I need us to understand as we're processing through what does this mean for us right now is that we have to, we have to learn from our experiences. And the next step, maybe even the harder step, is we have to begin the process of learning from other people's experiences. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Right? In Proverbs, it lays it out. One of the ways to understanding, one of the ways to this idea of applying wisdom to your life is to pay attention to father's instruction. That can look like a lot of things. I think first and foremost, it's this idea of listening to God and asking him what it is that he's calling you to. Right, trying to listen and connect with your father to hear his instruction to gain understanding. I think in the midst of that, God, I hope, I pray, has put a number of people in your life who are speaking wisdom into you, who are pointing you towards Christ, who are pointing you to what God is calling you to. I know that for myself, I've been blessed uh, over the course of my life to have a number of people who have poured into me, who have mentored me, who have challenged me, who have built me up and pointed me towards what God has called me to. And I hope that you have that. If you don't, my prayer for you is that you would go out and that you would find a mentor. You would seek someone out who has been doing life longer than you, who has more experience, who has moved from knowledge to wisdom to understanding and maybe even further to what we're going to talk about next week to discernment. And that you would ask them to teach you. That you would ask them to instruct you so that you could gain understanding. And that my other hope for you in the midst of that would be that you would be able to take the wisdom that you have, the understanding that God has given you, and that you would begin to mentor people as well. Right? In the church, we call this discipleship. Uh, and it's what Jesus told his disciples to do before he left to go and make disciples, to train people up in the way that they should go, to love them, to care for them, to point them towards Christ. The second question I want to ask you as we talk about this application is, are you seeking after God? Right? We look back and there's that verse that talks about the, the man who did nothing going out to harvest and finding empty fields I think so often in our Christian walk, we come to this place where we are expecting God to move 
We're expecting to hear his voice, but we've done nothing in our day-to-day and our normal lives to prepare ourselves to hear from him. Because I promise you that God is speaking. I promise you that God is moving. But if you aren't doing what it takes now to prepare yourself to hear from him, when you need it most, you're going to go out and you're going to find empty fields. My challenge to you this week would be to live a life of understanding. To be humble, to listen, to grow. And also to be able to look back at your life and see where God has moved. To understand that God promises that he is working things for your good. To see where that has happened in your life. And for now, to live in the understanding that even if you don't see it, He's still working for you. To live expectantly that God is going to move on your behalf and to do everything you can to hear him, to seek after him, to be ready for the instruction that he is going to give you. One of the biggest pieces, I think, in our, in our faith to understand what God has done for us uh, comes in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? In this God-made man who came down to earth to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to cover our sins, to bring us back into right relationship with God. So right now, as, as we're thinking, as I want to encourage you to think back about where God has shown up in your life, to think back about what God has done and to begin to understand how that has brought you to where you are. And for us today, we're going to celebrate some of that. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us through the taking of communion. So if you're like me, uh, my wife and I, we get communion ready in our home, but we don't have it in the room that we're watching with the girls because it just opens us up to like so many different, like they could take it early and then I don't know if that works or they could like spill it and it's a whole thing. And so right now, I just want to encourage you, take some time, go get your communion elements bring them back, uh, hold on to them because we're going to partake together uh, and just take some time. Take some time to be introspective, to pray, to seek after the heart of God, to repent from your sins and to seek instruction and understanding as we move forward together.